Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ. Season 5, episode number 5, is with Skills Development Coach Joey Burden, who is a former high school and college coach. And this is a good episode. And I know I've said that before. All of them have been good, but this is another good one. Uh, Coach Burden gave us his his journey on how he transitioned from being a a, a school coach or a high school coach, college coach, into the get into the skill development field. He talked about uh, skill development and how you teach and how it's important to, to teach players how to play the game, and then just keeping the game simple and and what he does when he works with players for the first time and just really um, dives into. You know, the difference between working out and training, which is really, really important. And another thing that, that he talked about that I think is really huge is um, is players developing a routine. So he gives some really great information. He's worked with some NBA players. He's worked with some college players. So he he, he throws in some some good advice for players after working with, with players at the highest level. So here it is, the interview I did with Coach Joey Burton. Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ, and today we have Coach Joey Burden with us. Uh, I'm excited about this interview. Uh, we get a chance to, of course, talk some skill development, give everybody some tips. So, Coach, uh, before we get started, why don't you uh, let everybody know a little bit about yourself and uh, how you end up becoming a, a skills trainer. Yeah, thanks, TJ. It's a pleasure to be on. Uh, I really am excited about being able to talk basketball and hopefully improve the game and uh, provide some valuable information for other coaches and players that will be listening to the podcast. Uh, I'm based out of Indianapolis. Uh, I had a journey getting here. I started coaching high school basketball uh, right outside of Chicago, and then I got a job with the Mississippi State women's basketball team. I was on staff there for five years, and the coach uh, retired. So uh, I was left without a job and I wanted to uh, really get into men's basketball or coach on the men's side. And so uh, I tried to, you know, get jobs and try and work my contacts and uh, nothing happened. So the fall of 2012, I met uh, a guy that was doing still development by the name of Ed Schilling uh, here in Indianapolis. And so uh, he invited me to come up here and uh, I took the offer and eventually moved my family up here. And that started my journey into skill development. And I was just up here thinking I'd be uh, helping Ed for maybe a year at the most. And uh, through his connections and through meeting new people, I would be able to jump back into college basketball, the next you know coaching cycle. And uh, seven months later, Ed decided to leave to go to UCLA to work for Steve Alford. They're uh, really good friends. And uh, I came up here on a leap of faith. Uh, I was only guaranteed to make $1,500 a month and uh, hustled a little bit on the side uh, as I helped him. And uh, once he left, he uh, invited me to stay and uh, be able to continue what he was doing. And I was excited about that. Uh, we were about to start some pre-draft workouts. And so uh, I was ready to, you know, full go. This is a great opportunity. Maybe this is even better than me, you know, getting into college right now. Uh, but unfortunately, with Ed leaving, uh, the pros that we were going to work with uh, didn't come. And uh, a lot of the youth that we were working with stopped coming. And I didn't realize that in skill development, a lot of it is about your name and the brand. So uh, I started 
from scratch, essentially. Uh, saw our numbers dwindle down. Uh, people didn't know who I was. So that summer, I just uh, would work with anybody and uh, that I could, that I could uh, work with. And I could hardly get a high school player to work with me, let alone a junior high player to work with me. But in those moments, uh, I didn't lose my faith. Uh, I, I continued to uh, just treat whoever was in my gym uh, as best I could and help them. But one thing I realized, I needed to set myself apart. I had to kind of set my own brand, as you could say. And so I started really focusing on player shooting. And it was something I've always been intrigued in. Uh, it was the greatest strength of mine when I played. So I uh, started to really teach uh, the shooting mechanics and the importance of shooting. And it started to really uh, make an impact on players' game. And uh, essentially, I uh, was able, through uh, working with players and references, I was able to get to work with higher uh, you know, college players. And one of those players was Yogi Farrell, who played at Indiana. We started working with his shooting mechanics. And uh, luckily, on uh, social media one night, he uh, uh, started to call me the shot doctor, which is a name that I didn't uh, you know, uh, ask for or whatnot. And I'm not saying I am the shot doctor. but uh, he posted that on Twitter, and that was a big turning point in uh, other people taking notice of what I was doing. And uh, gradually from there, I just continued to have opportunities with high-level clients, and now it's turned into working with uh, NBA clients all the way down to youth. I still work with youth. I'm passionate about the player. I'm not necessarily passionate about what level they are on. So uh, I'm passionate about the player, making the player better. As long as the player is interested, um, wants to buy in, and wants to become better. I don't really care what level you're on. If my time allows, I'll help you get better. A uh, few things I picked up from that from that story. Um, so for all the players that, that that's listening, the, the one the biggest thing was you having faith in yourself. You know when you're yeah. when you say that you're a coach in the Mississippi State, you had not yeah. relocate across the country. Yeah, guaranteed the the amount of money that you were making, and that's a that's a huge huge chance that you're taking. Yeah, you're betting all your chips on yourself. So yeah. all your players is out there that's listening. You know, you can pretty much just take from that story and apply it to your game. So having sure. faith in yourself, you know, betting yeah. on yourself, definitely. Um, and then you got to work. You perfected your craft. So if there's a player out there that's listening. You have faith in yourself. You you perfect your craft. You put in the time. You put in the work to establish the skills that you need, um, and then that led you to build your reputation. Sure. So as a player, <laughs> you have faith in yourself. You perfect your craft. You build a reputation among your peers, among coaches, yep. um, among the just the basketball community. Um, but then the last thing was when you're talking about when you're working with Yogi was the relationship, you know, yep. you established that trust with him. And without you asking him to do anything, he goes out his way to, to promote you. But sure. it has to be done off of, off of some faith and some trust between the yes. two of you. Um, I don't think any player would do that if they didn't actually trust the person that they're with um, and spending time with to help them develop. So, you know, For sure. you know those are just some things that I, that I took away um, from that story, and that's 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 a great story. So let's let's jump right in, Coach. Um, of course, this podcast is strictly on skill development. We're, we're sure. talking about how to help players and coaches. 
So what is skill development, in your own words, what is skill development and how important is it to the game of basketball? I think it's uh, extremely valuable. Uh, I like to define skill development as creating an environment through teaching that will improve a player's skill, but also their basketball IQ that will maximize a player's impact for the benefit of the team. And so uh, teaching is a big part of skill development. Uh, I always uh, am trying to get uh, other skill development coaches or any coaches that come and watch my workouts that it's not the drills. Don't focus on the drills. Focus on the teaching points. Focus on the things that I'm, I'm teaching the player because that's where the magic happens. It's in the teaching that the magic happens. So um, I think teaching players uh, the skills, obviously, but also within those skills, teaching them how to play the game of basketball, teaching them the importance of, uh, you know, spacing and why do you have to space and and the importance of cutting and the importance of being able to set the proper screen and those are things that uh, I uh, talk about in workouts because I don't want a player to leave with a better skill but not better knowledge I think those two have to go hand in hand to maximize the player's development yeah I, I like what you just said the better skill and not having the knowledge because those two things like you say have to go together yes uh, i'm real big on that's something i've been trying to get get a lot of coaches to understand that the drill to me is the easy part and what i yep. mean by that is there are so many resources to get drilled you know i'm yep. sure you have three four five six coaches you can call upon and say hey man i had this player that's struggling with this do you have a drill that you like to use or what do you do for that um, but those teaching points, those things that's, that you're teaching within that drill is what's really important. So I know if I'm watching a coach, whether it's on YouTube or Instagram, I don't necessarily get caught up in the drill. I'm trying to figure out what is it that they're actually teaching that player yes. that they want to get accomplished from that drill. And then how is that going to apply their, to their game, to their bag? Um, so I think those things are, are, are really, really big. So I guess that kind of hits on your philosophy. So kind of, kind of tell us a little bit about your philosophy when it comes to skill development for us, how you actually go about doing your, your training. Yeah. Um, well, whenever I have an opportunity uh, with a client, I try and watch film on them. I want to understand the context of their game. Um, I don't just uh, jump with the, in with the player and just say, okay, this is what I want to do, or this is what we're going to do. Uh, Obviously, with the younger players, it's tougher to get film. But usually with my college players and NBA players, I'm able to watch uh, film to get the context of what their uh, game is about and the context also in what type of offense they're running uh, running, and how they're being used in that offense. Uh, for especially younger players, if I don't have that uh, film, uh, I try and really emphasize the first and foremost is shooting. It's the most important offensive skill that you can have. Uh, but I also am very adamant about being good at things that happen a lot in basketball. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, two, four, five dribble combo move isn't gonna be happening a lot in the game of basketball right. and for most players. So I try with the younger kids, just get them to understand this is what happens a lot in the game of basketball and let's become really good at it. And that doesn't mean that we're not trying to 
pinpoint a particular skill that we want to get better and want to improve, but we want to be good at the things that happen a lot. Yeah, so assessing the players, knowing what they are, uh, yes. is, is really, really important. You know, I get players, the majority of the kids that I, that I work with are, you know, of course, the high school, junior high kids. Yeah. You know, um, but they always come to me with a goal, whether it's just getting better, if it's very generous, I just want to become yeah. a player. But you can't take them somewhere if you don't know where they are. So exactly. assessing, assessing those players is, is really, really important. And then the other thing that you said about making the game simple. You know, yeah. I, I think a lot of times we try to make things too complex. And I don't know if that's because a coach wants to have this, uh, this thing about being able to be really smart about what they know yeah. about the game. <laughs> or reinvent it or something yeah. like that. You know, um, you know just, just keeping it simple. You know, one yeah. or two dribble pull-ups, you know, knowing when to pump fade, having good footwork, yeah. just learning those things. But I think what happened is we see players like a, like a James Harden that does all these things with the basketball. And then we have a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, even a high school kid that tries to go out and replicate that. And they don't understand that, you know, James is a totally different type of player. He has yeah. a totally different type of responsibility. He's getting paid millions of dollars to score the basketballs, what people are coming sure. to see him to do. Your job is going to be a little bit different. So uh, keeping the game simple is, is, is really huge. So speaking of keeping the game simple, let's talk about some skills that you feel uh, players need to really, really need to work on consistently. And then yeah. you kind of just work on those skills. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said before, uh, for offense, uh, shooting is the most important skill that a player could develop. Uh, I had an NBA scout tell me uh, one summer when I was out in Vegas that uh, he's gone all over the world uh, looking for elite shooters. He hasn't gone all over the world looking for an elite athlete only because we have enough of that in America. We want elite shooters. And uh, I was just talking to a coaching friend of mine yesterday about how at the highest levels, the three ball is just getting shot more and more and more. And, uh, you know, at some point in time, your shooting's going to be the difference. And I, I uh, not to brag on myself, but the last four summers, I've worked with a player that was either out of the NBA or on a two-way contract that uh, became a two-way player or a full-time NBA player. And the only thing that they improved drastically was their shooting. And that's what's going to get you paid. That's what's going to get you those higher opportunities. I think um, every player, every coach could look back and say, man, this player was really, really good. He just couldn't shoot. Mm -hmm. And you don't see many players that you can't really say in, at the highest level, man, this guy's handle is ridiculous. He, the things that he does with the ball is incredible. And then stop right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? right. Like now right. you could say about shooting, right? There's guys that you could say, well, man, he doesn't even dribble the ball and, and all he does is shoot. I think of Danny Green. All yeah. right. The guy's not gonna be putting the ball on the floor much. And he's an NBA player. You can't say the same thing of, man, this guy has all these handles and he's in the NBA, but that's all he does is dribble the ball. And right. so right. shooting is a is a uh, important skill. And I don't think it's a skill that's uh, worked on enough as far as teaching a player uh, some, you know, fundamental mechanics. Not every player is going to have their own shot. Every player is going to have a, a little bit of 
different style of shooting, but uh, some of the concepts of, you know, getting the ball to the, I, I believe in the, getting the ball to the strong eye. If you're right hand, that'd be right outside the right eye. If you're left-handed, right outside the, uh, you know, left eye. And getting your hand and elbow underneath the ball, making sure you're pushing up, mm -hmm. uh, finishing with your ball through in the center of the rim, having, you know, a uh, good balance, you know, things like that and repping those details out uh, will have a huge impact on players. And uh, it's the biggest reason why I'm able to have the success I've had with NBA clients is because they see that their shooting's improved. And it's one of the most measurable things you could do, right? I mean, how are you measuring ball handling, you know, in a workout? Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you know pound, pounding it for 30 seconds and you got 25, but last time you got 24, that doesn't really indicate that you're better at getting around the player, right, or getting past the player. So shooting is the most, to me, the most measurable offensive skill as well. And it's the uh, most you know, sought after from the players. I mean, every player that I've worked with, when I've talked to them about their shooting, their eyes just get big. It's, they, they want to become better shooters. I think every player that you would ask, what's one thing you want to get better at? It, they're going to, you know, or two things, it's going to be shooting. And so uh, that, that's a big uh, thing that I think is important. Uh, another thing is uh, finishing, you know, being able to finish around the basket, having uh, different uh, – uh, moves uh, around the basket to be able to use the backboard in different ways, whether it's shooting really high, uh, teaching players how to uh, use spin off the backboard. I think that's important. Also being able to play with pace when they get into the uh, middle of the lane. A lot of players get down there and they just start to rush and they don't realize how much time they actually do have. Um, and then obviously ball handling is important. You want to be able to uh, improve and, and, and develop uh, your ball handling skills. And then uh, another thing is decision-making. And uh, I'm really big on uh, in small groups playing a lot. Uh, we'll do maybe the first 25 minutes some skill work. And then I've created some small-sided games that we'll go straight into and we'll be able to apply the skill that we just worked on against a live defender. And so uh, I think that's an important part of it with decision-making and asking them, why, why did you do that? Or, what could you have done better? And there's a live situation because I think there's a gap right now between skill development and then application. And so you work with as a skills trainer or a skills coach, you're working with this player and you, let's just say you're in a one-on-one -on -oh, you know, -one or you're even in a group workout and not playing much against live defenders. And now when are they going to apply it? Well, if they're not the best player on the team, are they going to go to practice and try it? Probably not, because now if they make a mistake, coach is going to be upset. You're not practicing well. You might not improve your playing time, right? So they're probably not going to do it in practice. They're sure not going to do it in the game, all right? Now, maybe AAU might be a little more flexible that they could try it in practice. Maybe their spot's already secured on the AAU team. But there's really no tra transition from the skill learn to a live situation with teaching immediately after, immediate feedback. And that's something I've been really trying to do a lot more over the last year, year and a half, is putting players in position to be able to go live on a skill that we've worked on, and it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to fail, and you're gonna get immediate feedback from me. That will allow you to have the confidence to do it when it really counts. And I'm amazed how many skills coaches are, are still, running a lot of drills 
but never putting them in live situations to develop their decision making and also to develop their confidence to do it against the live defender. And I used to be like that, do all these, you know, do the drills, do the drills, and no live defense. And now the parents coming to me saying, Man, they do it great here. I see all the stuff you're teaching them. It's, it, I love it, but they just don't do it in a game. And when I really had a few parents start asking me, what else could we do? I said, well, I got to get them going live. And so I've changed my philosophy with that, where I was always the whole hour was just, you know, drill work. You know, teaching was still solid, but now I've changed it to where we got to get to live play. They got to be able to experience it in an environment, which I provide, that's okay to make mistakes. And you know what? The only thing you're going to do if you make a mistake is get taught, and you're going to get back to the end of the line or you're going to go on defense, and you're going to get another chance in a minute or two compared to a practice or a game. You do it once and you mess up, you might not be able to do it again until maybe the next practice, next game, or, you know, further down the road. So uh, that repetition, I think, helps them as well. Yeah, the decision-making aspect of it kind of brings everything together. Sure. Um, you know, I'm real big on kind of progressing with, with the players and, you know, showing them this is the skill we're going to work on. Let's, let's get a few reps. And now let's see if, if we, how you can apply this in a game situation. So even if it's a – if I'm in a one-on-one -on -one setting with a kid and, you know, I can't guard you the whole practice. Right. <laughs> Especially if I got two or three kids after you. Yeah. Uh, but I can do some things that, that have forced you to have to make a decision. Exactly. Even exactly. if it's as simple as do you shoot it, do you drive it, or do you pass it? You know? Yeah. And, yeah, I do a simple deal as with, yeah. uh, with that is I just have numbers. I say one is drive right, two is drive left, three is catch and shoot. You know, I might say four is a left step back, you know, drive left step back. So I just use simple numbers and I throw it to them. And right before they're about to catch that ball, mm -hmm. I'll just shoot out a random number and then see if they can execute it. And one of the things that uh, we talk about shooting reps, and those are important, but when we tell a player to shoot the ball here and then you're going to get a shot here, there's nothing wrong with that per se. But shooting in a game is a decision. And I'm amazed how many players don't have the ability to make a decision on if they should shoot or not. And a lot of times they miss their opportunities because they're not trained on the catch to think shoot. I have a saying that I like to tell players to try and give them the utmost confidences. Every time you catch the ball in a scoring area, in the operational area, I want you to think shot until the defense changes your mind. Yeah. Don't change your mind for the defense. And so uh, that's a big, big issue I'm seeing, with, especially with youth players. If they're not programmed to score, there's some of these kids that have been having the ball in their hands, you know, since they've probably been eight, year old, eight years old, and they're, they've always been a you know, traditional scorer, I guess you could say. But those kids are trying to maybe improve their status on the team, take another step in their game or go to another level. Uh, they – sometimes don't think shoot because they've been always thinking, I got to pass. I got to move the yeah. ball. I got to pass. And, and you want them to move the ball, but that's where like in the NBA, they're really big on like this 0.5. When you catch it in 0.5 seconds, you're either going to drive it, shoot it, or pass it. Right. And so trying to get them to understand that shooting is a decision to the decision to shoot or to shoot the ball is a decision. 
And so we try and drill that in our, in our group workouts uh, so that players will be able to have the ability to make the right decision if they should shoot or not. Yeah, because ultimately at the end of the day, what we're doing is improving the kid's skill, but we're improving their confidence to apply yes. that skill or to execute that skill. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, I've had a lot of players, I have a lot of parents come to me and say, my kid needs more confidence. And yep. I used to do the same thing. I would drill them, drill them, drill them, two ball drills, one ball drill, stationary for 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And, and then they get in the game and they couldn't dribble against a live defender. And yeah. So I had to scale back on what yeah. I was doing and make yeah. it more game-like yeah. at that decision-making. So if I get kids in a group, I tell kids, say, look, we can do all the one-on-one, -on -one, the, the stationary drills we want. Yeah. That's going to help your control. But there's nothing like going against a live defender. Yeah. So we just one-on-one to half court or one-on-one full court. You're against that defender. Yeah. And that was a big change in my philosophy when I came up here uh, and worked for Ed Schilling. I'm not saying it's wrong, but he had a, a two-ball routine. It was really solid routine. He did it with pros all the way down to youth levels. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, was, it was intense. Uh, it definitely uh, strengthened your hands and, you know, and, and got you fatigued as well. Uh, and I had to learn it. So I started doing it in practice, and I got pretty good at it. Well, I was also coaching a high school team here. And we had a really good player on the team that went to Xavier University, and I had to go against them. You know what? The two ball didn't allow me to be able to get around them. Mm -hmm. Why? It's a whole bunch, a whole different skill set right. to be able to use your handle and your feet to get around a defender rather than just pounding the ball in a two ball uh, scenario. And when I started to make that philosophy, I said, really, ball handling, if you want to become better at a ball, a better ball handler, you got to go against live defense. That's the best way to become a better ball handler. Now, you could teach them some things to do, but if they're not having the opportunity to apply it against a live defender in the, in the environment of it's okay to make a mistake, it's okay to get it stolen, it's okay to lose it, it's going to be hard for them to develop that confidence to be able to be a good ball handler. Last thing on this, though, uh, one thing I've come to realize is, Every drill has to have an objective. Mm -hmm. So if my objective is to improve a player's handle or shot against a defender, or if they're struggling in a game, I, can, I have to limit the one ball and two ball drills that I'm doing. I used to think that this player yeah. is struggling against a defender in the game where their handle has to get tighter, so I'm going to do two ball drills. Yeah. And, um, so I think that's where there's been also a disconnect with the coaches and the, and the yeah. teams. We're thinking that one ball, two ball, tennis balls, all this different stuff is going to help this player handle the ball against the defender. But in actuality, that's that's not gonna that's not gonna help. That's gonna help their control. That's gonna help. Yes, you're gonna get improved. But there's nothing like me and you one on one. You're in my airspace. You're yeah. you're hounding me. And if I'm just so good where one player can't can't stay in front of me, that I'm gonna add as a coach, I'm gonna add a second defender. Yeah. Something to challenge them. Um, yes. Help them for that game situation. So I've really started looking at the objective of the goal sure. of, of the drill um, when it comes to trying to figure out what I want a player to do. Yeah, and and like that's why I said before I've had uh, the luxury to have college coaches come into my workouts and watch workouts. And you know, it's you know, it's not 
really drills. It's like we're, we're, we're working on, you know, you know, situations that are happening or if it's a group workout, you know, we're working on these live actions. And I say we're going to be doing a lot of uh, actions that will, will help them become better at the skill that we're trying to develop this offseason. And the best drills that I've developed on my own is watching basketball and studying film and, and watching situational stuff. What, what are the reads and pick and rolls? And then let's try and create that in a context of two on two, three on three, even if it's one versus one, if you have help, maybe another help defender there and trying to find what are players facing in the game. And so a lot of my drills have come from me just studying the game film and saying, okay, this is a situation that happens a lot. These players are in these situations a lot. This is how it's commonly defended. So let's try and put you in those situations to make you better. So pretty much what we've been discussing the last last few minutes is the difference between working out and training. Um, I know yeah. that I catch myself saying the word workout. I know you used the word yeah. workout. Oh, yeah. uses the word workout. Yeah. Um, but there is a difference between just strictly a workout versus when you're actually training and developing. And yeah. what we've both been saying uh, these last few minutes is, is talking about training and developing a player to, to get them ready for a competition. Sure. Um, is there anything that you would like to add to that, talking about kind of just the difference between those two? Because I think a lot of players, they, they see different coaches, they see different trainers, and, and the workouts look great. They're cool looking and they're yeah. doing all this different stuff. And don't get me wrong, you will get better from working out. But I just think that when you're working out, you don't really have a goal. Um, there's no feedback, but when you're training or you're having development, you're getting those things. So do you have any, any thoughts? Uh, yeah. On that? You know, I, I'm, I'm on board with you. I uh, definitely think there's a difference between working out and in actually training or getting better. And um, a big, uh, I think a big difference is if you're getting better or you're introducing a skill or you're trying to add a skill, you're rarely going to be tired you got to learn that drill you got or that 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 aspect of your game or that skill under a you know clear mind you know fatigue shouldn't be a factor when you're working out you're trying to get a heavy sweat you want some hard breathing and there's a place for that and there's nothing wrong with doing that but i'm amazed when i first got into this how many parents uh started to judge me that <laughs> You're, yeah. My kid's not drenched in sweat. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, my kid's not like bent over and said, I'm tired. And, yeah. and like one parent came and said, uh, uh, hey, Joey, thanks for a great workout. The first thing my son said to me was, man, I'm tired. And I'm like, that's not the sign of a good workout. But unfortunately, there's still a lot of coaches and a lot of even trainers that think that you know, being tired is the sign of a good workout. Mm -hmm. Now you got to be able to operate under the state of fatigue. I'm not saying that you shouldn't right. be able to be, um, be tired, but if my goal is to get you tired, I think my wife who uh, played high school basketball, she could get out there and get you tired and she could run you through some drills to get you tired, but would she get you better? No, because she doesn't teach. She doesn't, understand the you know the nuances of of the game or different skills that will make you a better player so yeah I, I think it's important to do that and and with players too I'm I'm a 
I'm amazed how many players will go to the gym and they say, well, I got a workout in. And I think the, another thing is a difference between a workout and just uh, and being more uh, development is being intentional, right? I mean, when you're working out, a player's workout, shoot, run, go get it, shoot, you know, they're just all over the place. They're not, you know, they're not, you know, having any specific details to their workout. And uh, I was just with an NBA client last week and we were talking about the importance. And I said, listen, you've got to get a routine. And we literally set up a routine for him to do after each practice. And it's not long. It's 15, 20 minutes. Right. But this is a routine that you have to follow. And this is how you perfect it. And I remember uh, um, watching uh, Steph Curry uh, do a warm-up routine. And he, he hit these, like, left-handed uh, hooks down the lane, right, going right, right down the lane line. And he made five of them. And his routine was the same all year. And I was just thinking that and it was in the playoffs. So it was like probably game 90 or so, maybe 95. And if this guy's made five of those in the course of a season, he's made 450 of these left hooks. It was against Houston. It was, uh, I think maybe their first championship year. What does he do near halftime? He uses a left-hand hook at the buzzer and knocks it down. Well, this guy did 450 of those shots. And I asked players, is there anything that you've done that only could take maybe three or four minutes that you could say you've done pretty much every day that you're in the gym that would equate to you doing it three, 400 times in a year? And I'm amazed how many say no, yeah. you know? And so that's the intentional focus you need to have. And you usually don't do that when you just work out. You do that when you're training or you're very purposeful driven in your, in your time in the gym. So that's a great segue into the next question. Um, you talked about having a, uh, giving a player some things to do intentionally. So let's talk about planning. Uh, yeah. So from a, from a player's perspective, if, if I'm a player and I don't have access to someone like yourself or someone like yeah. me, um, what could they do to kind of plan out their, their training um, or to – to try to work on some things on their own? What, what, what advice would you give them? First of all, uh, quantity is not better than quality, all right? A lot of young players and everybody talks about the grind and, and being in the gym, I stay in the gym, whatnot. Well, I've been around many gyms that guys are in there for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, and they're not accomplishing much compared to a guy that's only been in there for 30 minutes or so. And so uh, I really want to emphasize to players that the quality of your time in the gym is more important than how long. And you got to think about compound, you know, interest almost. You know, if you do something for five minutes a day, six, seven days a week, that's better than doing it once a day for 30 minutes, right? right. And so a lot of players – I think at times maybe get discouraged because they feel like, man, I got to be in the gym for an hour, hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And you'd be better off being in the gym for 20 minutes with a purposeful detailed uh, plan than to try and just go there randomly and say, I'm going to get up shots today. And yeah. so I'm really uh, big on players developing routines. You, know, you hear about like the Ray Allens of the, you know, of the game had a routine, you know, Steve Nash had routines. You usually find these great players develop a routine that works for them. And I think it needs to consist of shots that you're going to take in a game, 
It needs to consist of things that you want to continue to improve. And then it also needs to consist of, of the, the amount of time or the planning of time that you need to get this in so that you could either get there early before practice, you could stay later, knowing when the gym's available so that you could be able to put in your work. But uh, I'm amazed how many players have no clue of what they should be doing on their own in regards to a routine. Yeah, you, you gotta have something that you can go to on a, on a consistent basis. Uh, when I, I had the luxury of getting to play in college and, and my senior year uh, during the summer, I wrote out everything that I was going to do. Uh, I would track how many shots I made, how many shots I would, how many shots I would attempt, uh, just so I could have something to go back and look at. So I didn't have a coach to give me feedback. So sure. that was my feedback. So I could look at that and say, okay, over the last week, I've shot – 303 pointers and I've only made 180. Well, I need yeah. to improve my, my three point shot. Exactly. Uh, and then I think if it gets to a point to where something is really off, then you've got to find someone that, that knows the game that you can talk to and say, Hey, can you look at my, my shooting or something yeah. is off? You know, I, I can't figure out what it is. Um, but they've got to have something that they put together, even if it's just for, something they may do for two weeks at a time, then switch it up. But they yeah. have something that, that's, that's on paper. Uh, they can hold them accountable to something that they can stick to. Like you say, yeah. even if it's only 20 minutes, and that's something I tell a lot of my players, you don't yeah. have to have an hour, hour and a half. No. If, if you come to me one day a week for one hour, the other six days or at least five of those days, just give me 15, 20 minutes of your own time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I, I stress the players, like, skill development or your development in regards to even me as a coach, as a player, we're, on, we're the ones responsible for it. Ultimately I could go to coaching conferences. I could go to leadership conferences. I could do all you know these programs, but it comes down to what am I going to do on my own? And that's what it really comes down to players. It's like, Hey, I could go to a trainer. That's great. But really what do you do on your own? And whether it's 15 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour, what do you do on your own? And unfortunately, I feel a lot of players get uh, talk themselves out of getting better sometimes because they don't have an hour or they are tired and they don't feel like going for an hour rather than saying, hey, listen, 10 made threes with great form and great discipline is better than no made threes, right? And uh, that's that's what they got to understand. Uh, and that's, that's probably the biggest thing, you know, I've learned with NBA players is helping them throughout the year, uh, being able to get extra work in, but also being very efficient with it and having great quality in the workout. And so that's helped me get a lot better. And I would maybe say to other skill coaches, like, hey, if you are um, – what, what, what could you – uh, give a player that you're not around as far as you're not on the staff or you're not coaching, what can you give a player that will keep their legs fresh and not wear them out, but they could touch base on doing it every single day, you know, and that's something I've learned really heavily. We work with NBA players is that, you know, they, they do have extra time, but their bodies get worn down. So how are we being able to, 
to be efficient with that. And, and, you know, some of it is just like eliminating a lot of movement before we are going to try and get to the thing that we're emphasizing, right? If it's a finish, we're just taking one dribble in the finish rather than, you know, starting way back where they might start. If it's coming off of screens, we're, we're working on footwork or whatnot. It's, it's going to be the last two or three steps, not a whole sprint into that screen. And so just finding ways to help players stay engaged throughout the season on their development without the feeling of being overwhelmed of I'm going to get too tired or too fatigued. I think that's important as well. All right. So coach, the last thing that we have, um, I'm, I'm a big believer that to develop a player uh, completely uh, on course skill development is just one part of that. Uh, you touched on this, you talked about film, um, you touched on basketball IQ. Um, then we have sports performance and nutrition. Mm -hmm. So let's just go through these real quick. Um, and just with a player, there are so many resources now that they yeah. have that I didn't have 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago. When I, yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> when I like, you know, um, they can actually, you know, on an app like Huddle, you know, they can yeah. watch game film. So let's, let's talk a little bit about game film real quick. How important is it for a player to be able to watch film with purpose, just which is something that's really important, um, to be able to look at that film and, and break down their game and see what it is they need to improve and not just watch for, for highlights? Sure, sure. Yeah, I think that's uh, critical. And, uh, you know, just asking basic questions like, you know, who? Who's in the play? You know, who's where they need to be? Who's not where they need to be? You know, what play are we running? What is the situation or the clock situation, you know, what is the scenario we're in? You know, why, why, why are we running this play? Why am I in this position? Why did I do this? You know, and then, you know, the, the, how, how did this play happen? So like your who, what, where, you know, maybe why and how, I think asking those questions are important. Um, another thing I, I try and get players to understand is anytime you watch basketball, take a step back and don't try and be a fan try and be a student, you know, and, and I'll challenge a player uh, to watch a player that they're, that they like, or they, they look up to, or they want to try and model their game after. And when they're on TV, just watch that player. Don't watch the ball. Don't watch, uh, you know, the, 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 the coaches or looking around, just follow that player whenever they're on the court. And you'll see so many things that you don't see when you're just ball watching. And so just getting players that, you know, ask some, you know, reviewable question or some questions that will allow them to really uh, evaluate uh, their play. Uh, so asking questions in film is, is a huge part of it. And then just being able to train your eye, not only when you watch your own game film, but when you watch any basketball game to train the eye, to watch it as a student, as someone that's learning, that's observing rather than, than just someone that's a fan and I'm going to sit here and ball watch, ball watch, ball watch. Right. And that's the, that's the hardest part. Yeah. Oh, um, it's a trained eye. It's a, yeah. it's a, trained eye, yeah. you know, I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm always trying to find ways to, to, to get better at watching film. Mm -hmm. But if I could get better at watching film and find ways to do it, then I could, uh, you know, transfer that knowledge to the young players. So, Watching film, uh, you know, you're, you're working out with a skills coach. You're making decisions. 
so that's all going to improve the next the next part, which is basketball IQ. Yeah, um, I feel like that is that's huge. You know, you can have all the skills, but going back to like you said earlier, if you don't know how to play, then you're gonna you're gonna uh, not reach your full potential. So real quickly, just talk about um, the basketball IQ aspect and how that goes into developing a, a complete player. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's important. Um, I have one of my players uh, is starting for the Golden State Warriors uh, at small four, Glenn Robinson third, and came in as a free agent. And uh, it was a uh, you know it was a great opportunity for him. He's going to be competing for uh, a starting spot, and uh, they eventually you know he won it out. And uh, Steve Kerr uh, commented on how much he was impressed with his ability to cut and his ability to move and his ability to do so much more than just stand in the corner like he's been used before. And uh, I think that's because Glenn watches a lot of film. Uh, after every game, he's watching clips of himself and what he could have done better. And, and, and we do it together. But over the years, that has really benefited him because he has been able to apply a lot of knowledge just off of uh, watching film. But that was like a proud moment for me. Not that he, would, if he would have said, you know, not that I wouldn't have been proud if he said Glenn's super skilled and, and his ability to get in the lane and dunk on people or his ability to hit step backs is, is, is one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, that, that would have made me proud too. But really what made me feel satisfied is that he was impressed in training camp with his ability of how to play. And if I uh, teach a player uh, a, a move, teach them uh, a drill, whatever it is, but I'm not teaching them how to play and how to use that, then I'm ultimately cheating them. And I want, I want players to be challenged to, to improve their basketball IQ. And I think the other thing is I try and get players to uh, understand, you want to improve your, your skill you know, or, and, and, and improve your knowledge? Find somebody else that you could teach. Like if you're a junior, senior in high school, pull off a freshman to the side. And not that you're going to become a trainer, but pull, pull a freshman or pull a younger player off to the side and teach them what they should be doing. If you see something that they, they, you know, they're struggling with and you know what they should be doing and you know how you could help them fix it, pull them off to the side. And I was, uh, when I was coaching high school basketball, there was a, a specific player that we spent a lot of time in the gym after practice and uh one day uh, I was doing workouts there as well and uh he comes in and he has like two other guys and he's literally doing stuff that we do in our workouts and that was really satisfying because I saw that a, a player learn and then a player went out and teach and he's one of the smartest basketball players that uh that you know I, I work with because his ability to also explain it to others. And that's, that's a big, I think a big thing you could do as a younger player is find somebody else that you could help maybe teach and it will grow your knowledge of the game as well. And the last thing, I know you've worked with, like you said, some NBA players, some high level college players. So just tell the players how important it is to take care of their body with their sports performance and, and their nutrition. I know yeah. when they're playing AAU, they play a game, have an hour, get them yeah. maybe a Coke and a slice of pizza, but yeah. just tell them real quick with the NBA guys, how they take care of their body and how, and how that can actually uh, affect their performance. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a huge it's a huge uh, part of of the NBA. And what's amazing is that a lot of players uh, have told me, man, I wish I was more conscious of what I was doing with my body when I was in high school or when I was in college. These are players that have made it. They're, they're in the NBA, and they're saying, I wish I would have been more conscious of this. I wish I wouldn't have been eating all fast food right before a game as my pregame meal that I would actually have had a healthier meal, a sandwich or, you know, things that would contribute to my performance. So I haven't yet had a player that is in the NBA who's doing all these sports performance, nutritional stuff, look back and say, man, I didn't, I'm glad I started now. and I didn't do it back then. They all wish they would have done it sooner. And they all say it would have made me even better throughout the process, which might have improved their stock in the draft, might have improved their level of play that they played at, whether they played at a low D1 or a high major. So uh, it could take a player from, from you know, one level to the next level. And uh, uh, then if you're, let's say there's, th- you know, three levels or four levels, and four is the highest that your 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 potential and your 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 skill, if you improve it all, is gonna get you to. And you're at a two, well, you might not ever get to a four if you don't take care of that nutritional yep. part of it, right? So you can get to three and, and three could be really good, but that next level could all be coming down to uh sports performance and it could be coming down to nutrition. And so uh, it's it's the hardest thing to uh, to do, but it also provides so much more benefit than than what you think you would accomplish without it. Well, Coach, man, you've given us a lot of great information. I I appreciate it. I got one last fun bonus question for you. I didn't send it to you because um, I didn't want you to think about it. So yeah. it's just a fun question. So if you're putting together your ultimate basketball team. You can pick five players from any era, male or female, dead or alive. Who you picking? Oh man, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm probably gonna go with more uh, players I've been fans of. I uh, maybe not the best, but uh, I've always been a big fan of Steve Nash. But he'd be my point guard. Uh, Michael Jordan would be uh, my two guard. Uh, small forward. Uh, Man, I, I would go – I don't know. We're going to play some small ball. I, I would go with, uh, uh, for an old-time sake, Pistol Pete. He's one of the guys that I think okay. his game would have translated. I don't think every game, every player's game would have translated from the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. to today's game. But I think Pistol Pete would have uh, trans, trans, uh, you know, transferred. His, his skill would have transferred. Uh, I would go for um, – for, uh, Power forward, man. I'd I'd have to go with uh, Kevin Garnett, uh, and then uh, the center is uh, I would go with Shaq, and he's still one of the most dominant players. So those those would be my five. Uh, but those are guys I've been a fan of and trying to hit a little bit of each era. Yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a good group. That's 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 a good group. Uh, so. Before we let you go, just let everybody know how they can contact you, uh, where they can find you on social media, and then give them any uh, parting advice that you may want to give before we wrap yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's Coach Joey Burton. 
uh, I try and post uh, videos of not not mainly in my workouts, but uh, try and post uh, uh, instructional videos, uh, videos that I see when I'm watching film. Uh, try and uh, give tips on shooting. Try and uh, just help players and coaches get better through Instagram. I'm on Twitter, uh, Joey Burton, and uh, just try and share articles or share different insights that I see or different things that uh, I feel will help coaches or players. And uh, I'm, my DMs are open. <laughs> so uh, whenever, whenever a coach reaches out or a player reaches out, uh, I do my best to be able to uh, share with them uh, what I know or if they have a question. And um, I don't turn anybody down. So if a player or a coach has a question uh, and they want to get some insight on something and get my opinion, they could uh, shoot me a DM. And uh, I try and respond to those frequently as well. All right, y'all, that was the interview I had with Coach Joey Burden. Before I let y'all go, um, got to give y'all some quick information. Uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter and on Instagram. My handle is at NBNBball. Be sure to check out my website, tjonesfirm.com. That's T-J-O-N-E-S, firm, F-I-R-M.com. Um, I have a book that's been released uh, the Skill Development Playbook, it's, uh, it's a book that's it's 10 chapters. It's about 85 pages, 83 pages, and it's strictly on skill development. It's not, drill, it's not a drill book, but it's an information book that they help you understand and get more detail on skill development and how to put, how to put together a skill development program, things that you need to know, uh, terminology you should understand, and things that you, could, you should consider. So that can be found on my website. If you go to tjonesfirm.com, uh, up at the top, is there's a, uh, a tab that you can click on. It says SDP book. Actually, the, the website is tjonesfirm.com forward slash SDP hyphen book. That's tjonesfirm.com forward slash SDP hyphen book. They'll take you directly to the site, give you all the information about the book. Um, even some of the coaches that I've that, that have read the book and given me some feedback, you can read and see what they think about the book. The book is available on paperback for $9.99 or PDF for $3.95. Also, if you want to buy it on Amazon, you go to Amazon, type in Skill Development Playbook, and it will pop up. Um, and I and I believe that's it. That's everything. So until I see y'all next week, thank y'all. God bless.